All right. I think we are in the Facebook group. I'm just going to double check that we're there. I am here with Sarah Miller for her live Q&A. So excited to be talking with you today. We do have one pre-submitted question that I'm going to give Sarah in just a second. We are in the Facebook group and I'm going to double check that we have audio. Awesome. Sounds good. Great. Thanks for having me today, Ellen. This is going to be so much fun. It's always fun to talk to you and um, exciting to get to talk about reading today. This has been a great summit so far. Yeah, thank you. I am also going to add, if you are catching the replay, give us a hashtag replay. Feel free to drop any other questions in the comments. Um, Sarah will be able to come back and respond to those later. Um, Definitely. And I can't doesn't look like anyone's watching us live right now. So let me go ahead and give you the question that I have from Mimi. Um, she says, first of all, she's so thankful for you sharing your knowledge and that she's basically throwing out workbooks for the most part right now. And she wants to know how she can keep her child and students engaged and enthusiastic about learning and practicing their new skills. Yeah, that's a great question. There's lots of different things that you can do with your kids to really help encourage them. And I think you actually hit on the first one in the question when you said that you're throwing out the workbooks. I think that there's so much to be said for looking for hands-on activities that you can do with your kids instead of the workbooks, and you can actually teach the same skills. So I did this a lot with my son, who is a very active child, always has been his entire life, and he is very much a hands-on learner. So we had a math book that we used in his preschool. It was a workbook. And I'm pretty sure if I was to show him that workbook now, he would not recognize it because I used it as a parent to be able to help me make sure that I was covering all of the skills that I wanted him to learn and that we were working through it sequentially. But he actually never used the workbook because I took each of the pages and took the idea from it and then figured out a way that we could do that idea using hands-on manipulatives and toys and different activities. So for example, if the workbook was teaching addition, I might, he was a big truck lover. So I might get out like two different piles of blocks and he'd put one pile of blocks in the dump truck and then he'd put the other pile of blocks in the dump truck and then we'd count how many were in there. So, and this is something that you can definitely do with reading as well, using hands-on manipulatives and, and hands-on things to be able to practice some of those skills that your kids are learning. So one of my, uh-oh, one of my favorite ways to do that with uh, reading um, one of the tricks that I like to do or that I tell people about inside of reading better together um, is with blending. So once kids know the letter sounds and they're working on blending them together to make words, we like to put one of those or assign one of those sounds to different magnet tiles. You know, like the, the little squares that have the magnets on the sides and you can click them together. And so the kids will say, you know, this one is and this one is ah, and this one is t, and then we'll actually slide the tiles together so they stick together and then that makes the word. So just anything like that that's really hands-on can be a really, really fun way to make reading exciting and engaging for kids. Another thing that I think can really help is to let your kids choose the topics of what they're learning about and what they're reading about. And I know you talk about this a lot, Ellen, right? Like just how important it is for kids to 
be excited about what it is that they're reading about and what they're learning about. And so you can do this with read aloud books. You can take your kids to the library and let them choose the books that they're reading as much as possible. And you can also do it with the books that they're reading. And I think that's really important because especially at a younger age, for me with my kids, my goal is to get them to have a positive experience of the book, like period, the end, that's it. And it doesn't matter to me if they're having a positive experience with a picture book or a comic book or, you know, the guidebook to the video game. Like, I don't even care if it has covers and a page pages and they're having a positive experience. Like, great. That's a win. Um, and sometime, you know, in the future when they're older and they've had lots of positive experiences with books and they become somebody who loves books, then we'll have plenty of opportunities to introduce them to Shakespeare and all the classics and all the things that we want them to read. But right now the goal is just to help them love it. And no matter what that looks like, like, that's it. That's great. So, for my truck lover son he was he was really cute when he was little because he would he would be able to find the truck section in the library by himself even before he could read just because he went there every time we went and we read every single book about the excavators and the dump trucks and the you know and I could have told you you know way more than I ever thought any human could possibly know about all these trucks right we read it all um and that was great because he had he loved these books and he'd read them over and over and it just gave us the opportunity to do that. So I think that's another thing is just really tying into whatever it is that they are interested in and using that as a jumping off point for their lessons as much as possible. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention was just keeping those lessons really short. So making sure that you're not spending hours and hours and hours working on it. And especially if your child is struggling with reading, I think this is actually even more important. You want to keep it short within their attention span and make sure that they're not getting overly tired towards the end. Because when we make those lessons last really long and our kids start to get really tired, that's when they really start start to get frustrated and when a lot of those um, struggles and challenges really start to happen and when a lot of the defiance starts to kick in as well. And so if we can stop before our kids get tired and frustrated and then pick it up later or the next day and just help them to have a positive experience, that can really help over time as well. So that would be some things to try. I think that's great. And I can completely relate to when you were talking about the trucks, by the way, because I feel like almost every boy mom has been through the the dump truck and construction vehicles and all the things being like a mm -hmm. super targeted focus for, for the kids. And mm -hmm. I find it really interesting that you brought up Shakespeare because that was actually one of the rare shining moments for me um, that unlocked reading. I still to this day love Shakespeare. I love watching the movies that have been based on his his works and how they've modernized them and things like that. So I think it's important that when we're looking at those interests and we're, you know, trying to zero in on what that is, that it is good to offer them exposure to all those different genres. So you never know what that light bulb moment is going to be for them. So I think it was really great that you yeah. mentioned that. I love that. I love that you called it a super targeted focus because that's exactly what it is. Like they get fixated on that one particular idea and then they want to learn as much as they can about it. And that's actually how people learn in general. Um, I spent some of my time in the classroom before I have kids in a Montessori classroom. And so we spent a lot of time learning about this and, and trying to encourage our kids. It's something called sensitive periods. Um, and what it is, is just that at different times in your life, you are 
are more interested in certain topics and you're more likely to want to learn about them. And probably even as an adult, we all, we still have these. So like we just decided recently that we're going to be taking our kids to Disney World in the fall. And so right now, one of the things that I'm really interested in researching and learning and reading about is like how to do the Genie Plus line and like what rides there are and all that stuff. And like six months ago, I wouldn't have, I mean, Disney World's fun. So I always might have been interested, but like I really wouldn't have cared. Right. But now I'm like at the library checking out all the books and researching all the websites and going to all the podcasts because I need to know all the things. And so that's a sensitive period for me right now. And after we go on our trip, am I going to read those books again? Probably not. So it's like a limited time little window that you have to really use that to your child's advantage. And our kids do the exact same thing. They go through these periods where they're really interested in certain certain subjects and because we're their parents we probably know exactly what those subjects are right and so those are really like the key to be able to unlock their excitement and we can use that in other subjects like reading which leads me into a great question what do you recommend for parents who are so deep in that moment of my kid wants to talk about this subject again and again how do we make it seem a little less frustrating and annoying for us as parents do you have any tips for that yeah, that's the struggle is definitely real. I feel like, you know, it's tough when you don't share that interest, you know, when maybe your like life stream is not to know everything about every kind of excavator under the sun. Like, how do you do that? But I think one of the things that helps for me is just to tap into my kids' excitement. So, like, I'm not excited about excavators, but I love seeing that look on his face when like he learns something new and he's so excited and like he's having the light bulb moment. And so I think that's one of of the things is like to just try to see it through his eyes and try to really appreciate it for what it is for him and to appreciate the excitement that he has. And then I think too, we can look for creative ways to expose our kids to these things too. So if the goal is just to read aloud to our kids, are there audio books that we can do or like those YouTube videos where they show the page of the book and they read it out loud? So maybe you read it two or three times and then they use the YouTube video to read it the other 986 times. Um, so just that you're, you're sharing the load a little bit, but your child is still getting the exposure to that, that book and that material. And I want to piggyback on that and mention if you have not found the app called Epic and you have kids in school, ask their teachers if that's something that they're using. They usually can give you a code to get at least somewhat, uh, it's usually a little bit more limited than their, than their unlimited plan, which we personally use here in our home. But they have a ton, and I mean a ton of books in there that at least I'd say a good chunk of can be read aloud to your child. So. Uh, we've been using this particularly with my oldest right now. He's a huge Cat Ninja fan. And if you know anything about graphic novels and how tiny the print can be, and if we're, you know, for me, it's usually pulling it up on my phone. Mm -hmm. With a graphic novel, you don't want to do the pinch and zoom because then you can't see the, the actual graphic imagery that's taking place on the page. So we've been utilizing that feature a ton with him because He's able to be able to see the entire page. I don't have to do the tedious job of trying to pinch and zoom and try and read it. Um, and we're both able to enjoy it together. So definitely check that out if you have not. And I can drop a link in the comments, by the way, when we get done here. That's awesome. Yeah, I love <laughs> that there's resources like that out there for sure. And again, even if you don't want to pay for an app 
things like uh, Libby and Hoopla are also great resources. All you need is a library card to access those. And they do mm-hmm. offer audiobook options there as well. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not seeing any comments. I am going to refresh and double check. There's no questions popping up in any of the places. Sounds good. Yeah. And if questions come up throughout the week or throughout the rest of the summit, feel free to leave those in the comments and I'm happy to come back and answer those. And also, if you're watching the replay, if you missed the live, please type replay in the comments and just let me know that you were here. Excellent. Yeah, I'm not seeing any more. So I'm going to go ahead and let things wrap up unless you have any major uh, aha moments, takeaways that you want to share beyond obviously what was in your session. Uh, Maybe something we didn't get to. I don't know. Yeah, um, this has just been a really fun summit. And I just want to encourage the parents that are here. I know we talked about this a little bit, but I'm just I'm just so excited to see the passion that we all share for helping our kids become strong readers. And I think that it's really important to remember that your kids are just so lucky and so blessed to have you as their parent because, you know, you clearly are invested in the process of them learning to read and them becoming lifelong readers just by being here. And so I think that that's really important. And it's so easy to get in the weeds of like, oh, my child's not at grade level or, oh, my child's struggling with this or that assignment. But the reality is like you are taking intentional steps to provide those positive experiences for your child with books and to be able to make this process one that's enjoyable for them. And I think that's so important. And I think that as parents, we have so many opportunities just to be able to model reading to our kids and to be able to create that culture in our home where there are lots of books available and where they see us reading and where they see, you know, they're able to have those positive experiences with us. And I think that's so, so, so important. And so I'm just really grateful that you are doing that for your kids. And we just all need to remember that, you know, that that is really important too. And that whether you have a master's degree in reading and 25 years of teaching experience or not, you are qualified to teach your child to read because of that relationship that you have with your child. And ultimately, you can learn the things about how to teach reading. And that's what summits like this one are for. But nobody else can learn that relationship that you have with your child. And that is the advantage that you have. That's really important. I think that's great. I think that's a huge reason why I pulled this one together is honestly, we're our child's first teacher. We know them best and we're going to be able to tap into their uniqueness on a much deeper level than any teacher or other educator out there is going to be able to. So thank you again, Sarah, for hopping on and doing this live Q&A with me. Again, drop in the replay, any comments. um, If you're watching the replay, drop in the comments, any questions that you have. So be sure to hop on and answer them. And I will be back live for a Q&A with Dr. Lauren at 12 p.m. Eastern. See you then. Sounds great. Thank you.